called Firepower, where we're just kind of talking about the, the person and power of the Holy Spirit. You know, a uh, couple months ago when I was kind of um, working on this series, I just felt a directional change in the, after the first of the year. I was going to do a completely different series and then just felt like this is what we should do now. I'm so glad we did. Today's the final installment of this series. Everybody say, ah. You guys are so sincere. It's awesome. <laughs> How many of you been here for most of the series? Raise your hand if you've been here. Cool. Put your hand up if you're here Sunday Night Live. Who's here for Sunday night? Yeah, a lot of you guys. We had an incredible service on Sunday night. If you were not here for Sunday night and you've never been to a Sunday night, an SNL we call it. It's like Saturday Night Live, but we just kind of put Jesus in it. And... Um, but if you have never been to that, I would just encourage you to check that out sometime. Um, if, you, if you weren't there, then you missed the fourth part of the series. And so it was kind of a uh, part two of what we call Tongues of Fire. And we were just talking about this really um, difficult, uh, misinformed, you know, miscommunicated subject of one of the gifts of the Spirit. I'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit today, the other ones. Um, and so if you want to get that kind of cleared up and understand it better, uh, I don't normally say things like this, but so please don't think this is an arrogant statement, but it's the best message I've ever done on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 23 years. And so if you want to, I, it will make sense and it'll help you in such a big way. So go, go listen to that. Go watch that. It's either going to be on YouTube or our website or both. So you can get your worship guides out. And uh, this is one of those note taker you know, kind of services. I want to encourage you. This will give you a lot of stuff to unpack and unravel that maybe was confusing to you. I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And, um, but when the Bible talks about gifts, you know, um, there's a lot of confusion about it. So let me start first with just kind of uh, where we were so we can get to where we are. Look in your notes, John 14, verses 16 and 17. Here's the opening verse. Jesus is speaking about kind of two works of the Holy Spirit. The first one, You'll see in a second, and then the second one, you, may not, you might not grasp it or see it right away. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Advocate, by the way, that's referencing the Holy Spirit. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you. What's the job description of the Holy Spirit? To help you, be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So you can't see the Holy Spirit until you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the whole first half of the series on firepower, what I've been trying to help us all do, including myself, is realize that you can't experience the power of the Holy Spirit until you know the person of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen or an oh me? So you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, a force, you know, some kind of Star Wars spinoff. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. A person. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And that personal relationship will yield revelation, which will then yield results in your life ultimately. So the world can't accept him because it neither knows him or sees him nor knows him. But then it says, you know him, for he lives with you and will be, what, in you. So there's two things there. So we as Christians believe that there is... A, what we call first work of grace, the first work of grace. What do I mean by that? So if you're kind of coming in, just listen to this. Basically, we believe a person's um, relationship with God eternally is made possible by and sustained by what Jesus did for us. So in other words, I can't work enough, good, do enough good things, enough works to uh, establish a relationship with, with God permanently, 
Only Jesus could do that. That's why Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose on the third day to overcome death and the grave. He did that for me. What I have to do to get saved is put my trust, transfer trust from what I did to what he's already done, and that's how I'm saved. How is that possible? By grace. What do you have to do for it? Nothing. It's a gift. It's grace. How do you receive it? By faith. By grace through faith. That's what salvation is, the first experience. So when, when, when Jesus is speaking here, he's saying, but you will know him for he lives with you. So the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the part of your triune being. What do I mean triune? You have a body, you have a mind, you have a spirit. But until you ask Jesus into your heart and the Holy Spirit quickens your spirit, you're not saved. But when you do... It's like a pilot light underneath an oven, those old ovens, that pilot light comes on. Now the tripart being is in synergy the way God established it to be. And as you feed and nourish that spirit, it will lead and guide the rest of your body. It'll be king of the hill in your triune being. That's part of the journey of being a Christ follower. Part of the discipleship process is allowing the spirit to have jurisdiction and reign and rule over the other parts of your body. That's the salvation experience. The second experience is that he will not just be with you, but he'll be in you is referring to this baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, is in you. But when you put this bottle in a pool, he's with you. You get It's way more. It's a deeper work even. And so, so what is this all about, this salvation thing all about? It's a vertical thing. And so God never wanted you to just see these two experiences muddied up with each other. He wanted to see them separate and distinct because what man tends to do is complicate things. God tries to simplify things. So he wanted salvation to be a separate and distinct experience where you realize you can only get this vertical thing right by grace through faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. Is everybody tracking with me so far? That he wanted to keep that simple. He wanted to keep that clean. And why? Because the problem here was a sin problem. Sin separates. You know when somebody wrongs you, you might still be in relation. I, I get in fights with my wife. Discussions. Let me rephrase that. We have discussions, but we don't get divorced over those. We're just distant. And so, how to, so we have to reconcile. There's a wall. There's a barrier between us, and so we have to get right standing. There was a separation between God and man. That separation was sin. Jesus was the mediator, the bridge, the go-between between man and God, and he helped us overcome this sin problem. Jesus is about sin. Jesus is about heaven. But the Holy Spirit is about another problem. You know what that problem is? It's the cursed earth that we live on. It's messed up, jacked up. There's problems. And you know what? There's going to be more problems. There's going to be more hatred. There's going to be more disease. There's going to be more circumstantial problems that oppose you. Pastor, could you be more positive? I'm positive. There's going to be more of that kind of stuff that happens. So Jesus said, I got to go. I'm going to leave you a helper, and he's going to help you down here. So the Holy Spirit is about success on earth. Jesus is about eternity and heaven forever. Is everybody tracking with me? And so we kind of talked about that the last couple of weeks. And so what happened is, because of what happened, you know, centuries ago, two millennia ago, basically many millennia ago, not just two, whatever. I don't want to get into creation. 
But the point is, years and years ago, Adam lost his dominion over the earth. So let's just say this. Before the fall of man, if you read in Genesis 3, you'll see where it all got messed up, jacked up. Sin entered the earth. Before that, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. Constant contact, constant communion. Um, you know, there was, they had face-to-face connectivity. Imagine that. Uh, many believe, most believe, I believe that, that Adam and Eve could see not just the physical but also into the spiritual realm at the same time. They had, the earth wasn't dominating them. They were in, had dominion over the earth. They were, they were really like superhuman beings, just phenomenal. But when sin entered the earth, all of that changed in a moment. So man lost his dominion. So then God sends his son to, to fix this first, and then his son fixed that problem and says, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to fix this now. So what did he do? He gave us gifts. He gave us gifts. These divine enablements, these like, it, it's, an, it's an oversimplification, but superpowers to help you overcome in this life so this life doesn't overcome you. But because of sometimes the extremes, remember I talked about the division or the divorce between what we see in the church, especially in America, and in fact, the message opened a reference it, this word and spirit. There's been this silent divorce, right? There's been this overemphasis on da 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 all this stuff, apologetics and study to show yourself approved and doctrine and all that. Great, great, great. That's all awesome. We love it. But then there's over here the spirit. You know, we want to experience God. We want to take the mountain. We want to float. You know, you know, everything's all, and we're way over there. But there's this, there's, this, there's this divide. How do we marry those two? We want to see those two things married because Jesus said, this earth is going to be tough, and I want to send you some help, and I want, I want to restore back to you that which was lost. And when we get these gifts, it's, exi- it's, exi- it's as if we were never disconnected from God in the garden. He pulls it all back and puts us in this particular uh, connectivity with God, and this power comes back into our lives. So he gives us these gifts. Let me give you the three categories of these gifts. Is everybody ready for this? So these first two categories I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because they're literally separate messages all by themselves, but I just want you to know they're there, and they're cool, and I'm just going to kind of like highlight them, okay? So let me give you the three, then I'll go back to what they are. There's the motivational gifts, the ministry gifts, and the manifestation gifts. Motivational, ministry, manifestation. Now, the motivation gifts, there are seven of these, these seven particular gifts. And these gifts you receive with the first work of grace. That means you get them when you get saved. As soon as you get saved, you get these incredible, incredible gifts. You get this prophetic prophecy gift like motivator. You might be a servant. You might be a teacher, an encourager, a giver, an administrator, a mercy or a sympathizer kind of a person. It's awesome when these gifts go to work. As soon as a need is presented, these gifts activate. You know, it's kind of like the Wonder Twin Powers when you were watching the Super Friends back in the day. Anybody else guilty of that? I was. I used to like cartoons, you know. <laughs> Wonder Twin Powers, form of servant. Activate. All right. Anyway, sorry. I just saw I entertain myself. So these particular gifts are there at salvation. Now, there's a second type of gift that you don't receive necessarily with salvation. This is a special experience. It's a special grace where you get these five offices or these five sometimes fold ministries 
or these just five gifts to the church that Jesus gave us. Ephesians 4 talks about these, these ministry gifts. It says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says he, that's talking about Jesus, Jesus gave us these gifts. He, Jesus, gave some apostles, uh, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Who gave us the gifts? Jesus. Did he give us a lot of them? No, he just gave us some, just some of them, because they have a particular job description or assignment. To it's very practical. It's it's essential to the for, for the church, the body of Christ, to be healthy. Their job is to equip, to train people to do and find their purpose and fulfill it, to do the work of ministry. They're not supposed to do all the ministry according to Scripture. They're supposed to help people find their ministry and do that ministry. And so they're gifts from Jesus. So one of those gifts is pastor, okay? So a pastor is a gift. I'm a gift. And you can't give it back, okay? So there's different types of gifts. I like to remember with the, using a man's hand. So the, the thumb represents the apostle. It's totally, it's the strongest gift in the hand. It's, it can touch all the different offices within the hand. It kind of carries the most weight. It's actually responsible in some sense. Uh, an apostle is kind of a leader of leaders, a pastor of pastors. The, 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 the index finger, it's kinda, this is the one that points the most. This is the prophet. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not. You know what I mean? It's kind of, in the Old Testament, this is a really pointy, you know, it's always doing stuff like this. Sometimes it's correctional. Sometimes it's directional. But if it doesn't confirm or validate what God's word says, then it was the burrito you ate last night. It's not God. Okay? I just saw that tweeted out by one of my friends. And uh, so, so that's the, the, the pointer finger or the index finger. The middle finger, you've got to be careful to keep this packed in with the other finger so nobody gets misled here. The middle finger is the evangelist. This is the longest finger because it reaches out into the community and pulls the community back into the palm or into the body, into the fold. Its responsibility or focus is more in reaching than keeping. Then you have the ring finger. This is the pastor. This is the one that's married to the church, in covenant with the church, the one that cares for the flock, stays up night thinking about, you know, the flock, would never leave the flock, do everything to protect the flock. And then you got the pinky. This is the teacher. This is the smallest, kind of skinniest finger. It's the only one that can stick in somebody's ear and help them hear. <laughs> with good teaching, kind of open, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. Kind of that, that has a responsibility to make sure that we're watching our life and doctrine closely. That, you know, you know, if you know the truth, what? The truth will set you free. So that's kind of those two categories we have the motivational gifts and the ministry gifts. But I want to talk to you about the manifestation gifts, the manifestation gifts. Sometimes these gifts, um, this is how God works and serves through people, all right? Sometimes these gifts are called the dynamic gifts, if you heard them that way, uh, power gifts. Um, uh, sometimes they're called uh, the glamorous gifts, things like that, all right? But this is where supernatural power is working through a person in particular ways. Now, in the first two categories, there's seven motivational gifts, there's five office gifts, but in the, these manifestation gifts, there are nine gifts 
Interestingly enough, separate study, these correlate and relate and are tethered amazingly to the fruit of the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Those things work hand and glove. You never operate in the gifts of the Spirit without them being tethered and connected to the truth of the fruit of the Spirit. It's such a powerful truth. You have no idea. It's awesome. But anyway, the manifestation of gifts, we receive these the same way we receive salvation. By what? Grace through faith. So how do you get saved? By grace through faith. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Or how do you receive these gifts? By grace through faith. So we believe there is a second uh, work of grace, a second baptism. All right? Not talking about baptism in water. Baptism in water is directly associated with salvation. It just confirms what you did privately, you just came out and did publicly. That's what water baptism is. is. It's an outward sign of an inward conviction. You're just kind of telling everybody, uh, I, I publicly declare and profess my faith in Jesus Christ. That which was personal now becomes public when I get water baptized. But baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit is an immersion or filling with the Holy Spirit to help you hear, navigate, be successful in this crazy, nuts cursed world so jesus wants to give us gifts but many of us don't know our gifts and are ignorant of our gifts look at what it says in first corinthians 12 1 it's in the front of your outline the top of it it says now concerning spiritual gifts this is referencing just so you know in the original language manifestation gifts concerning spiritual gifts brethren i don't want you to be ignorant okay now ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid or you've lost your brains at the door or anything like that ignorant just means you don't know what you don't know ignorance is not bliss Ignorance uh, sometimes can cause, on this plane, this horizontal plane, a power shortage as Christ followers. Meaning, it's really hard to live an overcoming life. Many people, there are many people that are not here today because they don't see the Holy Spirit working in our life every day. That was good. I just want... I, I see that was good. So, so we don't like it because it hurts. But the point is, if people saw that we were overcoming in this life, that we weren't better, but we were better off because of something we had, someone we knew, and something was working inside of us that, could, that was simply supernatural, people would want it. People would, people would come from all over the place. So to the extent that we are overcoming in this life, it's directly proportionate to our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and the power that's at work within us as a result. Does that make sense to anybody out there? And so 87% of Christians do not know their spiritual gifts. And if they've seen them, they rarely operate in them because they saw extremes with them. In other words, they were either underexposed, I didn't know, or they were overexposed, wow, I don't want that. Man, it's quiet in this group. It's quiet in this group. You guys smile at me once in a while. Just at least do that. So, so what happens is, let me give you something that God gave me for this church. So if you call this your home church, this, this will help you know a little bit about our history. We were, um, in years gone by, we were less a reaching church, kind of more of a spirit church, okay? So... I believe God wanted to help. It was I've never forsaken my moorings. Um, my spiritual moorings changed my life. I haven't changed my doctrines on it. But the approach is what's been changed the most. And I realized that in order to be able to see people who are disconnected from God, connected to God, godly people in a godly place, there had to be some adjustments in how we administered that which we knew. And in order to be able to still embrace the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we had to kind of see things 
things through a different lens. So God showed me uh, a camera, a picture of a camera. Now, for those of you who are young, that's one of those things where you, you turn it upside down and you flip it open, and there's this thing inside it called film. This is back before you just took a picture and plastered it over the whole globe. And, and so when you would bring the back of that open, there'd be this film, it would roll, and if you didn't have it all rolled up and that light came on it, that film would be over what? Exposed. And that film would not, to develop, would not develop. And God showed me that people's, people are like film. They're human hearts. Like, it's like film. And God is light. And light is good. The Bible says God is light. There's no shadows, no variableness. God's light is good. But yet too much light, too fast, the Holy, the Holy Spirit showed me, people will not develop. They'll be overexposed. And so here's the thing. The camera, that's us. We have the responsibility to filter, to determine the right timing and the shutter speed and the angle at which that light is presented. You know who did that better than anybody? Jesus. When he lived as a man, led by the Holy Spirit, he knew when and how to present people with his glory in all of his life. Even on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, he only took a few guys up there, and one of them freaked out and wanted to start a whole temple and build a big old monument. Jesus, whoa, 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 settle down, Peter. You know, another time Jesus is reclining on, uh, excuse me, John the Beloved is reclining on Jesus' breast in the Passover meal and the close and intimate, that same intimate relationship, yet in Revelation 1, that same guy could not look upon the face of the Son of Man because of all of his glory. See, we can't handle all the light all at once. So we have to be responsible and in relationship, to establish this relationship, and in the process, we can learn to receive all of the power that God has for us. He wants to do that with you personally, and he wants to do that through us corporately. Does that make sense? And if we could see that the right way, the gifts of the Holy Spirit could be in operation in our life and through our church more and more. Here's the gifts. Here's the gifts, okay? What are they? The first grouping is what's called the intuitive gifts. The intuitive gifts. This is where we think like God. We think like God. Here's the grouping. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. You see the definitions there, so I won't go over those. But a word of knowledge, okay? This is where you receive something not by experience or, or access to some kind of knowledge, you simply came to know something you couldn't know by any other means but supernaturally. And, and I believe many of you have had experiences like that and you've dismissed them. For example, have you, this happened in every service, if I ask you this question, have you ever been somewhere and you simply had this sense that something was wrong with one of your loved ones? Anybody ever had a feeling like that before? With a spouse, a, a child, or whatever? Yeah, that's it. Why do we dismiss that as just some kind of a feeling, you know what I mean, just, you know, serendipity, I don't know what I want to call it, but just, what, is it possible that God is giving us a word of knowledge? See, sometimes we're, we're operating in the gift, but we're dismissing it, not even realizing it's happening. I had a friend, a pastor friend, and he was driving, and he had, all of a sudden while he's driving, listening to the radio, he had this sharp pain in his arm. And he just kind of screamed, oh, you know, oh. And, he, and he's kind of a panic-driven pastor. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm having a heart attack. And then he looked down at his arm and goes, oh, my heart's not right there. And so he kind of regrouped. And he started to pray over his arm. It's funnier than you realize. But he started praying over his arm. And God said, I, I'm, you know, he's saying, God, heal my arm. And God said, it's not about you. I want you to pull over, and I want you to pray and call your friend Bob. 
He's like, oh, God, you know, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And so he didn't do it for a little while, and it kept coming back to him. So he began to pray for his friend. Lord, if something's going on with Bob, I just want to lift him up to you, you know, just protect him and keep him safe. And then all of a sudden, he's, you know, he decides, all right, that's it. I'll call. I can't let it go. He pulls over, and he picks up the phone. He calls, and Bob's wife picks up the phone and says, you're never going to believe this. Bob just fell down the stairs, and he said he should have broke his arm, but he didn't. What do you call that? You know, is that, is that a gift of God or is that just, oh, that's just amazing accident. You know what I mean? The moon and the stars all aligned in that particular moment. It's, um, it's incredible. Can I just tell you another thing that happened to me? This, is, this wasn't that long ago and I have to be sensitive because this person is in our church and doing so well. But I was driving along one day and I get this impression about this particular person who I don't really know that well. I just knew his first name. And excuse me, I knew his last name. And I just kept getting this sensing, I need, to, I need to pray for this person. I need to pray for this person. And I'm actually on Cedar Street over here in Ashland. And, and I finally, just because of time, finally I just stopped. I pulled over on the side of the road. Just pulled over on the side of the road on Cedar Street. Not a safe road to pull over, but I pulled over on the street. And I couldn't figure out, how do I reach this person? God, what do you want me to do? And I just felt like he said, just look him up on Facebook. And so I went on Facebook. I use that like a directory sometimes. And I, and I just kind of put his last name in. And I was looking down. I'm like, yep, that's him. I pulled him up. And I direct messaged him. I just said, hey, man, I don't know what's going on, uh, but I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you, and I was praying for you, and I just wanted to reach out to you and just let you know that God loves you, man, and that's, that's it. I don't know what else to say. Let it go. Long story short, that guy, that moment, was in a garage with the door shut inside his car, and it was being filled with carbon monoxide, and he was prepared to take his life. And he picked up the phone, and he looked at it, and he called his sister, and he said, did you tell Pastor D about this? Did you tell him about me? What, 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 how does he know who I am? She said, I don't know anything. I, don't, I didn't even know he had a sister. I didn't know anything. That saved his life. Saved his life. He's saved. He's been baptized. He loves Jesus. He's doing great. That happened in this church. That happened in this church. What does it sound like, Pastor D, when you hear a word like that? What does that sound like? Close your eyes. Let me tell you what it sounds like, okay? How do you, how do you reach out to a guy like that? How, if, if God told you to call out, call out to Bob, what does it sound like? Just close your eyes. I want to tell you what it sounds like, okay? I want you to think about this, this one line. I should call Bob. Just think about that. I should call Bob. All right. Open your eyes now. That's what it sounds like. Did you get that? I should call Bob. That's it. It just sounds like that. All right, so some stuff comes just by exercising your faith. And the more that you use that spiritual muscle, the more God will use you. You can either be a container for the power of God or, or you can be a conduit for the power of God. It's really a choice for you. Amen? Amen. Words of wisdom is another one where you've received knowledge and revelation about things you couldn't possibly know on your own. Uh, wisdom, you know, sometimes we get a word of wisdom. This is a particular gift I operate in a lot. I don't get out there and say, saith the Lord, I have a word of wisdom. Prepare yourself for the sage of all ages. <laughs> See, that's what happens sometimes. We put lace on it, we put makeup on it, and we try to make it look good. And you tell you, you're really diminishing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life when you try to make it about you. This is something you couldn't get on your own. Have you ever watched Andy Griffin's show? When you're growing up, you know, Barney Fife, 
Andy Griffin had this crazy relationship, and Andy would be talking to Barney and, 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 and say something, and Barney would say something in response, and then Andy would say, that's it, Barney, that's it. And Barney would be like, what, what, what? You know, that's what, you got it, that's brilliant. What, what, what? That's what it should feel like when you get a word of wisdom, like, what, what did I do, what did I do? But God just used you. It's, 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 these gifts are tethered to, to self-control and to gentleness and, and to faithfulness and, and peace and joy. They're not tethered to pride and I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Is everybody tracking with me? All right, here's another one, discerning of spirits. This is not the gift of discernment. This is the discerning of spirits. Sometimes this is when you can detect something in the spiritual realm. Oftentimes, and this may freak some people out, and I get that, but just the Bible says, I didn't say it, that we, our war our, we, that we wage here, it's not always fleshly. But it says it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? Spiritual strongholds. We, 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 we battle not against flesh and blood, you know, but there are rulers and principalities and powers in another realm. And so sometimes you are facing things and fighting things in the flesh and in the natural, in your own ability. Let me just tell you something. Good luck. You need to know that that is a spiritual battle. And sometimes you need to know, like, it's like a gatekeeper at your house. I will not let anybody in, you know. And so sometimes we're, we're trying to get in the wrong way. We're trying to get access, and we don't know how to get access. And we need to be able to see what that spirit is and what's in our way. And because you are a Christ follower, and because not of your name but his name, you can speak to certain spirits, and they have to go. They have to, they have to flee. Jesus would even do this with healing. He wouldn't just pray with compassion, though we see that as a prerequisite for a lot of the healing that was done through Jesus and others. But he sometimes would say, you know, spirit of infirmity, spirit of infirmity come out of him. Paul, the apostle Paul, prayed. There was a woman with kind of a spirit of divination, and she was making money for people, profiting people in different ways. And she's tagging along, these guys are the real deal. Oh, these are sons of the Most High God. And finally, he just got totally frustrated and said, be quiet. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. Boom, the thing just came out of her right away. She was a different person. How many know sometimes you're going up against something in your business? Sometimes you're going up against something in your physical life. Sometimes you're going up against something in your, with your children. You have a rebellious teenage son, and you're trying to discipline him, and he needs to be delivered. Hmm, okay. I'll move on because that's freaking some people out. That's okay. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, even the discerning of spirits. It's there to help you. And you might come to a day where you come to the end of yourself and you need power. Here's the second of the manifestation gifts, the utterance gifts. These are where we don't just think like God, but now we talk like God. We talk like God. This is about communication, okay, with God himself and with the body from God. So there's prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, I spent two weeks talking about tongues, so I'm not going to talk about that. But just let me just tell you, God wants to give us a heavenly language that bypasses our brain and our body because our brain and our body cannot process all of who God is. But God wants to give you all of who he is the full weight, glory, and power of God. But if he put it on our body, like in, 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 in points in the Old Testament, when the glory of God fell on the priests, they couldn't even stand. When he, if he put it all on our mind, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, no eye, 
No ear, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. But God reveals it to us by his spirit. And so what he wants to do is get away from this and get away from this and just go spirit to spirit connection. So what does he do? He gives us a heavenly language to make that possible. So that's what tongues is about. And tongues is to help build you up when you're broken down. Do Christians get broken down? No, I don't. I am swole all the time for Jesus. Always built up. You know you're not. You're constantly being bombarded by temptations. You're constantly being bombarded by trials. And all these things are going on. The weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're trying to hold it up. You're not strong enough to handle it. And God knows it. So he wanted to give you a gift to help build you up. Jude 20 says, praying in the spirit, building yourself up in your most holy faith. So personally, I pray in the spirit more than I pray with the understanding now because of the weight and the responsibility that's in my life. And I, that's what it's there for. Then there's tongues with interpretation of tongues. Interpretation of tongues, this is a gift to the body. This is an oracle gift. It's not meant for just you and God. It's meant from God to you, to the people. And so it's kind of a miracle. Somebody gets a tongue, then they get an interpretation to benefit those who listen and build them up. Now, it's not translation. It's interpretation of tongues. It's not translation, it's interpretation, okay? So tongues and interpretation of tongues is actually the equivalent of prophecy. It's just two steps instead of one. So prophecy is meant to build people up. It's there to help you to grow and to strengthen the body of Christ. But interpretation of tongues is the same thing, just meant to strengthen and build you up as you go forward. Now, I didn't understand what that was all about when I was growing up. And I can remember one time I was speaking at a church here in the area, a little Pentecostal church. I remember when I was driving over to this church in Upton, on the way over, you can think what you want, but, but God spoke to me and said, there's going to be a tongue, and I want you to interpret it. And this is what I said, mm-mm, no, I'm not. I'm a guest speaker, and I'm not going to make a fool of myself in front of, that's the kind of things that were going through my head, like, like God couldn't hear me. And so, oh, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Okay, let's just not talk about this anymore, Jesus. And so, anyway, I go to, I go to the service. <coughs> I go to the service worship. I preach. It was awesome. At the end of it, the Pentecostal pastor takes over. He's getting up at the pulpit, and I'm like, oh, thank God it's over. He's getting ready to do his benediction prayer, close out the little Pentecostal service, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, and he pauses at the pulpit. I'm like, buddy, let's go. Let's go. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, and as soon as he pauses, this guy pulls out of his seat into the middle aisle, this little guy, and all of a sudden, with all his might, starts to, da, 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 he starts speaking in tongues. I'm like, no, in the name of Jesus, stop him. I told you, Lord, not to do this. And he's going at it. He's going at it. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he's saying. I don't, I don't understand what he's saying. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is awful. So then he stops, and it's silent, silent, like it felt like eternity. And wisely, this little Pentecostal pastor gets up there and says, we'll just wait for the interpretation. I'm like, we're going to wait till Jesus comes because I'm not doing it. You hear me? You know what I mean? That's going on. And, and so I'm having this conversation in my seat. I'm sweating bullets. And I'm just like, God, I don't understand a word he just said. Because my understanding was an interpretation. My understanding was translation. I was kind of like, you know, como esta? How are you? Bien, y tu? Good, and you? You know, I just, I was waiting for that. But it wasn't that. So I'm, this is all going on, you know, and it felt like forever. And so I'm sitting there, and then finally I'm like, oh, okay, okay. You're obviously not coming back. The second coming's not going to happen right now. 
he's clearly going to wait, and nobody else is getting this. So then all of a sudden, just, God, just tell me what to do. And right then, I just get this, this one sentence. Says, tell them this man is singing the marvelous praises and works of God. So I said that. I said it out loud. And as soon as I said that, another sentence came to me. And I said that, and then another. It was absolutely the most miraculous experience to know that somebody received something from God. God told me it was going to happen, and then I entered. It was powerful. And then after that, people, like, moved. Tears, reaction, response, because they were totally edified because of tongues and interpretation. Now, I thought it had to be accurate translations. And I've heard people many years later, I've heard people who received not a heavenly language, but by the Spirit, an earthly language they did not know. In fact, I knew people who spoke English that received miraculously the ability to speak in Spanish and Chinese and Hebrew in my, my life. I've known people to do that. And what's interesting to me is to watch other believers hear them speak in that tongue, and then they'll, not knowing what they're doing, they'll say things like, don't they know they're not quite saying that right? Those verbs are not conjugated like that. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. They don't even, I mean, God gave them that. And so what happens is people think that God's not perfect. Doesn't God know that they're doing that wrong? See, God is perfect, but the receiver isn't. And that's actually what makes it so authentic and so amazing, you know? Doesn't he know he just spoke in a double negative? And, okay, whatever. Let's... All right, so those are the different, different gifts, the different intuitive gifts. All right, here's the last grouping. Ready? Power of God, the power gifts. This is where you act like God. These are my, some of my favorites. One of these my wife has, very strong. We all have these, but they're all available to us, but some of us know and operate them a lot. But there's the working of miracles, um, the gift of faith, and the gifts of healing. Now, the working of miracles. I heard one theologian say the best translation of this would be a focus of power. A focus of power. It would be, the working of miracles is like somebody putting a magnifying glass on a particular area until something changes. Now, I think my, I don't know if my dad's in the service, but my dad, anybody ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Catherine Kuhlman was used mightily by God um, in a certain era of the Christian experience here in the United States. And she used to wear these long flowing dresses and kind of walk around, thus saith the Lord. And she'd put this long bony finger out and she'd have an organ. It's kind of pre-Benny Hinnish uh, days. But anyway, many people thought she was using the gifts of healing, but I personally believe she was using the working of miracles because she would do things like, and my dad even told me a story about this when I was a boy, but she might point her finger out into a crowd, barely even be able to see, and she'd say, you young man with the orange shirt, the Lord is healing you right now. Your eyes are being opened. And then, boom, God was blind. One time, my father was in the meeting. God was blind. He goes, and he starts screaming, I can see, I can see, I can see. The working of miracles, the focus of power, a magnifying power on a particular area to change the circumstances. And this is a rare and powerful gift, and I pray that it would increase and return in our midst again today. Because, why? Because we live in a secularized, humanistic, scientific culture where there is sometimes no response or answer we could give other than the authentic, real miracles of God available to us today. Amen? What encourages that is this next gift, the gift of faith. 
Now, there's the fruit of faithfulness, and there's a gift of faith. They both work hand and glove together, but they're also different. My wife has the gift of faith. Sometimes I got, I'm having a Debbie Downer day. My daughter's down. I'm upset. I'm negative. And she can come right in behind. She just sees things through sometimes a different lens. In other words, your eyes, your ears, your mind, the circumstances could all be telling you something exactly the opposite of what you are certain is not true. It will never happen. There's Everything in you is telling you this is with certainty going to happen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as surely as you could see, hear, taste, and smell something, you know it in your knower. It's just, it's a reality to you. And these people with this gift of faith are wonderful encouragers in the body of Christ. There was a time when Paul was on a ship and, and the ship was going down. It was being, it was just being impaled and wailed by the seas and by rocks and all these men on the ship were convinced they were going to die and the gift of faith rose up on the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27 and he basically said take courage not one of you will die not one of you will die how many of you want a person like that in your life when all the forces of hell and the tsunamis of life are going against you you want somebody that knows that knows that knows it's going to be okay right that's what the gift of faith does amen here's the last gift the gifts of healing this means Gifts of healing means there's more, more, there's different ways or more than one way you, healing can come. It's plural. It's very interesting. Most occasions it comes by the laying on of hands, okay? Uh, personal story. Uh, I, first of all, let me say this. I'm amazed how many people will go to a doctor for healing, and I'm all for doctors. I believe God can heal you naturally, medically, and supernaturally, and he can do all three sometimes. I'm amazed how many people will go to a doctor and nothing happens, then go again. And nothing happens, and go again. Nothing happens, and go again. But we come to church, get prayed for once, nothing happens, and we don't get prayed for again. Can we stop that in Jesus' name, please? Listen, if you're not feeling well, I'm not telling you to come here and cough all over everybody, but maybe come at the prayer line and go home. You might be better off. It might see God might honor your faith because you came here to stand in a line to follow to come to not the a physician, but the great physician, to follow a prescription that is timeless and powerful and have somebody lay hands on you and anoint you with oil, and let's see what happens. I bet if you came like that, you might see more healings in your life. So I believe if you got a problem, you got a situation, you ought to have people pray for you. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, I got this, I got this, I got this. I said, have you had the elders, have you called for the elders to lay hands on you? Have you had somebody anoint you with oil? Have you had prayer, prayer of faith? Nope, I haven't done any of that. I, I, what do you do with that? Did you go to the doctor? Oh, yeah, I went to the doctor. Oh, yeah, spent tons of money taking all these pills. See him? You know, I, I got like an associate's degree in medicine. What if we knew God's word and applied it the same way with the gifts of healing? I can remember years ago, I was 18 years old. I had an accident with somebody else's car, and I was hurled through a windshield. Face through a windshield. Face. Glass splattered. I was thrown on lawn. Both cars collided, smashed, destroyed. And I remember, skip ahead, I remember being in the hospital, and I'm laying on my back, semi-conscious, and a spirit-filled doctor was working on me. And he was praying in tongues, and he was praying in English. And I hear him praying in tongues, and he praying in English. He said, God, let not one scar come as a result of what's happening to this young man. May every piece of glass help me get it all and get it out in Jesus' name. Lord, just keep this man's face beautiful. <laughs> Look what happened. Look what happened. I'm a miracle. Come on, somebody. Jesus, Jesus, save my face. 
I have one little scar right here, and I always remember that little scar because God spared me, and a spirit-filled doctor worked on me. I'm amazed how many people don't believe that God can heal you. He can use doctors to heal you. He can use ordinary people to heal you, but you got to literally believe that God can heal you for that, those kind of things to happen in our life, and sometimes we don't put our trust and transfer our trust to him in those things. Can I have an amen out there? So you need to find your gifts. When you do that, you can do that at the growth track. You can start tonight, take you on a journey, help you find those, and then you need to begin to use those in Jesus' name. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet? I want to pray for you. Get something out of that, everybody? Amen. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? I want to pray for you quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get to heaven one day, and there's going to be this two-question test. What did you do about my son? And what did you do with the gifts I gave you? God has given you gifts. God wants you to use those gifts. Not for your own entertainment and help, personal help alone, but to help other people. I'm going to pray. And I just want to ask you, I believe, I feel an anointing to do this right now. If you need a miracle in your life in some way, I'm going to ask God that that gift work right now. If you need a miracle, would you raise your hand right now and say, I need a miracle in my life? I want you to keep your hand up good and high. I'm going to ask for the focus of power to come right where you are. As I look at your hand, I'm believing in Jesus' name for miracles. Where every hand is raised, Lord, by faith, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Miracles, miracles, miracles. Every person I lay my, my eyes on in Jesus' name, they're your eyes, God. And I just pray that you grant them a miracle. As they, as they receive, as they receive by faith, by faith, by faith, Holy Spirit's working all over the room, all over the room. Miracles in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name from bad habits and addictions. Freedom in Jesus' name from a broken heart in Jesus' name. Freedom from sickness and disease in Jesus' name. Longevity in Jesus' name. Gosh, showing me crazy stuff. Freedom in Jesus' name. Marriages that are divided, Lord, heal in Jesus' Working of miracles. All barriers are broken in Jesus' name. Freedom from fear, fear, fear in Jesus' name is broken. Freedom in people's bodies, Lord, where there's just been all kinds of problems and situations in the name of Jesus. Healing, healing, healing. Lord, we ask, Lord God, for the working of miracles in people's bodies. Cancer, cancer, die. Cancer, die in Jesus' name. People standing in proxy right now for people who have cancer. Working of miracles. Go out of me to them to them in Jesus' name. Working of miracles. It's possible today. We believe in Jesus' name. It's possible today that miracles still happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just like that. Just like that it can happen. Put the magnifying glass of the Holy Spirit on every person in this room. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In order, in order for us to receive the greatest miracle of all, Lord, you can put your hands down. It's okay. We need to say yes to Jesus, too. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you know, I've, I've never been in a meeting like this in my whole life, and, and you know, you know that you need Jesus. Let me tell you, it's the greatest miracle of all is when you give him your heart. If you know that you need to give Jesus your heart today and you haven't done that, I'm not going to call you out down front, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Would you just raise your hand good and high and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. We had dozens do it in the last service. God bless you. Thank you for your courage and your faith. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I don't want to miss it. I don't miss it. God bless you at the back. That's awesome. Is there anybody else that says, that's me? Thank you. God bless you, sister. That's awesome. Appreciate your courage. That's awesome. Yep. If you're listening online, you respond too. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Let's just join together. Say, Jesus, I ask that you come into my life. I give you jurisdiction, authority, control. I surrender to you. I transfer my trust to you. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me and help me to live 
this life successfully. I want all that you have for me. Save me and help me to be successful with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life. Empower me in Jesus' name. And all God's people said really strong, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Praise the Lord.